Hello, everybody. This is Joe Renee Feeler, and welcome to today's podcast. I am excited to share with you today and hopefully help you uh, tap into some deeper layers of yourself and another, maybe another layer of yourself that where you can access even uh, more genius, more goodness, uh, more happiness, more 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 all good <laughs> in yourself in this world. Let's start by having a bit of a connection exercise. I encourage you to close your eyes if you're in a safe place to do so and just relax your body. Take some nice deep belly breaths, letting your belly expand as you breathe in. <sighs> Good job. And again. Very good. Now you stay breathing here, please, in this deep conscious way, while we invite you into a layer of yourself that is not concerned about all the questions that you have about maybe this world or why you're here, what's going on, helping you access a layer deeper within yourself that is that is okay that there's questions and okay that there's questions that, that aren't answered or maybe can't be answered. A level of well-being and solace and peace that can help you stay focused on things that maybe matter more than um, manifestation exercises or, you know, accomplishing that goal or just helping you be more real and more authentic and more present in your life. Very good. Okay, that feels good. Now we're not saying there's, there's no growth. We're saying that some of the things that we get focused on for growth don't matter as much as, as we think they do. That our joy isn't as dependent on those things as we think they are. Nice. Okay, another deep breath here. And just wiggle your toes. Imagine pressure in the bottom of your feet as you enjoy the gravity of being able to, to be anchored <laughs> in a meaningful way to, this, to yourself and your body in, the, in this world, in this reality. Focus on the tips of your toes and just wiggle those toes really gently. Wiggle your fingers, wiggle your nose, <laughs> move your face around, feel yourself in your body, that, that your humanness is not getting in the way of your greatness. It is the tool for your greatness in your life. Just try to be great in your life without this bodysuit and all that it includes, okay? There we go. <laughs> Good job. Oh, all right. Nice deep breath again, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very good. Oh, all righty. Let's get started here with the message. Um, and for those of you that are new here, I don't prepare the message. I don't have anything written down. I don't have notes. I don't have a script. I don't do it that way. Um, that works well for some people because it's, it's, um, 
it's kind of fun to see what comes through spontaneously when we're not planning. Uh, it's much better for me as Jill because I like it when I'm not, I know I'm not relying on my, um, my trained human brain because I'm allowing myself to wing it. Okay. Um, and that may seem reckless and irresponsible in some ways, but I, those of us that hang out here regularly, we've, we've proved it to ourselves that actually some pretty amazing uh, wisdom and insights and fresh perspectives come through from these other layers that I have access to as Jill. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> I don't know what's going to come up. I don't, I, I have an idea of what I think we're going to talk about, but I don't know if that is what I'm going to talk about today. Okay, so I'm just going to close my eyes and I almost imagine myself sort of taking like a slide like behind my eyes down into a deeper, deeper layer of myself, not deeper physically, but into a transcendent layer of energy that's beyond the physical. And to me, the beyond the physical doesn't mean outside of myself, it actually means so deep within myself that I break the time-space continuum barriers and veils. Da-da-da! <laughs> okay. We are so pleased. <laughs> we are so pleased with this group. <laughs> Those of those of you that hang out here, especially, there has been so much ascension of light within your energy fields, and it is absolutely liberating and exhilarating. And we're so we we hope that you are so proud of yourselves. You have debunked so much of the nonsense, and that has allowed for so much more of the pure light that you are to be present in your energy field. And it's, it's so glorious. And what we want to share with you is this, this goodness, this sense of hopefully well-being and curiosity and personal empowerment, um, individuation of your light, freedom to be your one with a healthy disconnection from other people's selves, their ones, this allows you, I mean, when we look at it, it's like, oh God, you're, you guys are just, just getting started. Not in a, you're a kindergartner sort of way, but like you've graduated sort of way and now you get to get to the good stuff. Okay. So this, this opportunity, <laughs> this uh, experience for you to to keep going with this idea and to allow for any of these experiences, any of these opportunities for you to continue to be curious, continue to make room within your field for everything you've ever been and everything you may desire to be, along with room for the surprises that come up in your life. Okay? Very good. Okay. <sighs> so what does that mean? You're just getting started. We always look at your lives this way, you guys. Every, I mean, as long as you're alive and your heart's beating and your mind is functioning, there are so many possibilities for what's next for you. 
And we know that that can trigger in your human mind the sense of, well, what would that be? What would that look like? What should I try? You know, give me the answers. Uh, and we just want to give your brain like this big squishy hug and just say, oh, you silly, you silly thing. <laughs> because what you are now and what you may love the most about your life, you probably didn't plan it. You probably didn't set it in motion. It wasn't something you manifested. It was something that happened to arise in your life. And that doesn't mean that, that you played no role in it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't take some credit for it. But there was a, there's always a level of sort of magic and mystery that, that is part of whatever transpires in your life that can't be orchestrated, that cannot be planned, that is, uh, we wouldn't even describe it as manifestation. We'll ask Jill to talk more about manifestations um, and that's sort of ideology later um, from her perspective, but, but it's our turn <laughs> to share now. So with this sense of recognition and acknowledgement that, that what you love the most about your life right now in many ways happened through forces of, of nature and source energy that were beyond your control, that is also true for whatever next in your life will be something that at some point in your journey you'll be super grateful for, right? So I think there are always things in the works uh, for you in terms of possibilities and things that could go great. And some of them are scary and some of them are disruptive. And our best advice, no matter what happens in your future, is that you feel that sense of ownership that, about who and what you are in every moment that you feel that sense of responsibility for yourself and being the best version of yourself that you are led to be, whether things are going well or whether things are challenging. You have so much authority over how you decide things are going. Ah. <sighs> You have all the levers and all the right aspects of a control panel right inside of you, okay? Now, notice that there are many different uh, distracting sort of forces in your lives, really in all of your lives. And some of those distractions um, don't have to be negative, right? It could be family, it could be career and job and making a living, right? Those are, in some ways, they could be viewed as distractions from you being what you view as your best self. But they're also there, and they're not going anywhere, and they don't need to go anywhere, right? Um, our view of enlightenment and the reason we get so excited about the, the um, flavor of enlightenment, light within, is because it is so real. And it is so practical to the, your actual lives and how things actually work. And that was actually one of the um, reasons why Jill even came online with all of this. is because as her eternal self, and we would offer even as your eternal selves, there was a sense of disillusionment that most of the enlightenment teachings or even other versions of, of spiritual role modeling happened in individuals that maybe didn't have family 
or they had the opportunity to go off for a year and live in the caves or they live in a in a church or synagogue type setting where they they again maybe don't have a family and their their uh, food shelter and clothing is taken care of by the institution of that religion. That's not a fair example, <laughs> right? That's not the real world. Um, it's a it's a it's a carefully engineered uh, position that those uh, spiritual leaders have stepped into uh, that was really set up to allow them to be fully dedicated to the, uh, the spiritual training and their enlightenment, given the role that they would have in assisting others in knowing the light of God or knowing the, the presence of, of source energy within them or within this reality, etc. So, if you think about it, a lot of you came into your desire for spiritual teachings and enlightenment um, lessons and uh, uh, protocols because you wanted to feel the sense of inner peace, the sense of personal empowerment, the sense of healing, that those types of spiritual recognized official spiritual teachers seem to embody. Okay, but the <laughs> the paradox here, and it's coming to light more and more in your world, is that those spiritual teachers, those spiritual, those that are so-called experts in spirituality, even though their lives are taken care of in so many ways, they've got problems too, right? Um, there was a message that we shared just uh, uh, several days ago through Jill that Archangel Gabriel took the lead on um, that, you know, spoke very explicitly about the problems with pedophilia within uh, the priests in the Catholic Church and things like that. That, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a real problem. And there are other forms of uh, spiritual mastery, whether it's a you know, a guru or a world-renowned channeler that hosts, you know, retreats and things like that, that have also gotten into their own version of a scandal and trouble because they've broken a personal oath about, um, well, morality, <laughs> number one, and sense of personal authority and, and personal power that they ended up using, uh, at the consequence, they victimized others um, as a result of that. And that, uh, yeah, anyway, so that the Archangel Gabriel message from this, uh, this recent weekend may be of interest to you if you want to go deeper into that sort of, it was a very alchemical, uh, liberating and sometimes difficult message, but uh, it, uh, it's, a, it's a nice adjacency to what we're discussing here. So each of you had a sense of intention and maybe still has it, we would imagine, for personal connection with God. Many of you realize that uh, through organized religions or through certain spiritual teachings that it was unsatisfying, that you sensed there was more, and you were right. So here you are in a very unofficial type setting, <laughs> whether you listen, you know, however you're listening or watching this, um, I mean, just think about how accessible this is. There's no oath required for you to hear this. Um, and yet, 
what we assist you, our intention anyway, is assisting you in accessing that sense of personal connection to God that, that isn't, it's not trying to be something else. It's, it's not in the, in the form of perfection and idealism and above moral code. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's so raw in its realness, which is probably why it's somewhat attractive to you. Because part of you, probably at a core deep level of yourself, senses, you just know that, that it shouldn't be just a certain class of, or a certain um, echelon of spiritual seekers that, that become the anointed ones that we should all, all humans should, should and do have access to a personal, uncompromisable connection to the source energy that you are. The source energy that you are and that you desire to feel and trust and embody from within the flesh and blood that you also are in your humanness. You're a genius <laughs> to, to have recognized that they, not only should they go together, dang it, they do go together. And you're, you're forcing it together, not like two opposite ends of a magnet, but as in an inextricably connected version of energy that is both eternal and mortal that is fully divine and fully human that is physical and and seems trapped in the time space continuum and yet also so beyond matter so limitless and so free from the time-space conventions. So here you are, <laughs> right? And we're inviting you to contemplate the, and embrace the mystery of what you'd call your future and to get excited about that. Not in a way that can be managed, but in a way that can be lived and experimented with where you have the sense of confidence to try different things out and see how it feels. Because even the best laid plans um, can, <laughs> can go awry or be unsatisfying, right? Think of that in terms of even just like a business process or a business proposal. There are so many beautifully written business, <laughs> business plans and mission statements and yet it just doesn't go the way it, sh it should on paper. There are so many variables of, of, um, that are beyond your control that are estimates and predictions. Then, you know, customers don't behave the way businesses think they would or should. Um, you know, there's just, there's so many aspects that lead to a high failure rate in businesses. But you're not a business. I mean, you may have a business, but you're not a business. You're a human. And 
failure can be redefined in a way so that it isn't it doesn't feel like a like a personal failure it doesn't feel like something well it doesn't feel like a failure if things don't go as planned that doesn't mean that you did it wrong it means that you may have had some assumptions uh wrong and it may mean that things weren't as um mm, things weren't as fixed and stagnant um steady as you may have pretended they were going to be there are so many um aspects of fluidity in your world including yourself it's one of your best strengths actually what makes you fluid and and bendy <laughs> and uh, movable in so many ways is the this very it's the very same construction that allows for the future to be unpredictable because everything is that fluid and uh, bendy and unpredictable. So this ability that you have to be more resilient, no matter how things are going, should ideally make you more courageous about what you want to try next. Because if there's no guarantees of success and there's not guarantees of failure, then why not take maybe a higher degree of risk in not just what you do, but how you sense who and what you are. <laughs> Things can get really, really fun and exciting and dynamic when you give yourself more of that honor and respect that there's so much more to you than you realize. And I don't, it doesn't matter to us how old you are chronologically. Okay, even if, even if you're 89 years old and you've been the same way your whole life, your ability to go off script from what you've been, you have that, you have that option with every word you speak, with every thought you make. And do you know how to do it? It's by questioning yourself. And that's a scary thing. And it takes more time and it takes more energy to question what you're about to say, to question that last thought you had, <laughs> right? It could be as simple as what you eat to what makes you mad. Well, why does it make you mad? Does it have to make you mad? Well, that's, that's a question most people that get mad pretty easily don't ask themselves. But it would be a great question to ask oneself. If you are somebody that continuously feels like somebody else has an easier time than you, a great question that you could ask yourself is, what if you're wrong about that? What if it's not as easy as you think it is for that other person? What if it isn't harder for you? Now that may invite you into a vulnerable space because with if that's not true, if it's not true that it's harder for you, <laughs> then what's your excuse? Excuse for not being what you want to be. Excuse for things not going the way you want them to go. In many ways, it kind of doesn't matter how hard or not it is. It just matters that, that you want something or you're hoping you can be a 
maybe a better version of yourself. And if you take out the part about, oh, that's going to be hard, and you decide it doesn't matter how hard it is because it's going to be worth it, then you get around a really big excuse. Because there's so many things that you've done in your life that were hard. But they were worth it. Some of the best things that happen in life are really hard. So now we're sliding into that part of the conversation that where we wanted to go related to manifestation. There's this notion that if something is easy, then it's meant to be. Or if you're a good manifester, then things that are hard for other people will be easy for you. Those are, those are interesting approaches. We love to use the example of childbirth. <laughs> because whether you are a mother that's given birth or not, you, you were given birth too, <laughs> that we can assure you, <laughs> right? And at some point along the way, all of you then are connected to the process of childbirth. Childbirth is not easy. Isn't it fascinating, by the way? This, Joe was thinking about this not too long ago, and we were just sort of playing with this idea that it's so fascinating the way that the, the female hormones um, allow for the relaxation of the, of the hips and the, the pelvis to allow for the baby to be born. And then the way that the human skull is, is uh, designed, designed so that it can make its way through that tiny birth canal and then there's that the soft spot within the skull for a while while the while the the repositioning uh happens and it and the the brain and the the entire uh development of the organs within the skull can take place and the, the head can grow along with the brain and all those things it's the, the way the human body is designed is just so it's so genius and so mysterious. Yes, do you see what we're saying there about you? It's, it's, I mean, the level of planning, it doesn't even begin to give it enough credit. Yes, there was a grand plan with the human design, and yet it also has variables that are, that are beyond prediction. So where were we going with the idea of childbirth? That it's hard and that it's worth it. <laughs> that's, that's where we were going with that. What do you consider hard in your life that you sense it would be worth it? When did effort become like a, like a dirty word in enlightenment and spirituality? That's, that's so interesting because there's so much natural friction and natural inertia in your world, uh, especially for you guys. That you're, I mean, you're not, you're code breakers in a lot of ways. It's, uh, the way that we, the way that we look at you, and this started coming through, I think, um, more clearly with the the Boise workshop that we did through Jill. This, you guys are inserting records into your reality that aren't otherwise there. That is phenomenal right? There's inertia with that all the time. 
And yet some of you don't even realize the inertia that you've, that you're up against because you've gotten so good at just continuing your, your process of your personal expansion and your personal growth and what you want to try next and what you want to be. You don't even, you don't even think about, it's not even on your radar, um, the different ways that that life can get in your way or people's perceptions and, oh, that's weird. What is he doing? What is she doing? That's crazy. You know, (laughs) the pressure from organized religions, which are some of the most powerful institutions on your planet, by the way. Some of you just walked out of those. You walked out of an organized religion and said, no, thank you. Who does that? You do. (laughs) Right? I mean, oh my gosh. It's so fascinating. You guys are fascinating. You go off script all the time. And what do you want that to mean for you going forward? What do you want this, this further liberation of your light, your eternal energy in your world, in your journey? What do you want that to mean? Not in a fixed, make a plan, make it happen sort of way, but in a curiosity sort of, yeah, that would be really cool. That'd be really cool, right? And where are you expecting there to be suffering or compromise that maybe there doesn't have to be suffering or compromise? Maybe what you want, what you want more of and to experiment with can be a nice addition to what's already working well in your life. Now also there's another side of this. What if what you want will not fix what you think it will? Because that happens all the time. That's a tougher one, isn't it? Some of you actually became spiritual, if you will, to use that term. You got into things like this because you, were, you had a problem and you wanted to fix it. You had a pain, a wound that you wanted to heal. Is it healed yet? Did all those things that you thought would make something better or fill a hole, the hole, some of you felt a hole, a void within yourself. So maybe in those cases, it wasn't a matter of, well, somebody else has an easier time than me, things are harder for me. Maybe instead your storyline is, I'm missing something. I don't, I don't know who I am. There's a, there's a void and a, a sense of longing within myself. And I don't know what it is, let alone how to fix it. I don't know, I don't know what to do with this, this pit of emptiness. So in that case, the question that you could ask yourself to question yourself is, what if there is no void? What if you're not missing anything? What if this is it? Now, some of you are very disappointed by that idea. But if you sit with it for just a moment longer, you might realize the freedom in that. What if you're not missing anything? 
So while you allow a portion of you to be extremely disappointed, you can also allow for another part of you to be relieved. Because the idea that you've been working really hard and been very focused and very dedicated to try to access what you thought you were missing, that mission can be over right now. Whoa. Now what will, <laughs> now what will you do, right? So right alongside the part of you that says, oh God, don't tell me that. Don't, don't tell me that this is it because I feel very unwhole, very incomplete. I feel very empty. And if this is it, then I'm a breath away from being depressed. Who's going to comfort you? How about you? Because we know there's a, there's a whole other range of you. The one that comforts others. The one that is so ready to give someone a hug or a smile or an encouraging word, right? Where's that part of you for you right now? that can say, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe this is good news. Because chasing something outside of ourselves to make us feel whole hasn't really worked that well. So if we give ourselves the, the comfort that we need to get through this rough patch of re-identification, that, that this is it, and that what we sensed we were missing, maybe we've never been lost. And granted, it may feel unsatisfying who and what we are, but maybe even my favorite spiritual uh, associates and teachers actually feel that too. Maybe the, the best of the best have felt that way. And you know who's smiling at you right now? Yeshua. Let's let him speak right here. In my humanness as, as Yeshua, I had a system that allowed me to function very well amidst the part of me that that felt inadequate, um, ill-equipped. And I would call it grace. Some would call it faith. Some would call it trust. (laughs) Some would call it overconfidence. (laughs) It wasn't fake, though. I sensed, a, I sensed a level of importance in myself as Yeshua, where I took myself seriously from a very young age. Um, that's rare. I recognize that, that not everybody has that. 
but it can be created for oneself. And I would encourage anyone here to try it out for yourself. What if you are valuable by your being alive? Even if no one told you that until now, I'm telling you now, you are of value. You're alive. That's how I know. All life is of value. And there's so many possibilities for what is, what that's put towards, what it's used for. And there's so much of that decision that's up to that individual. But I'm not talking to everybody, I'm talking to you. I don't see voids and holes when I look at you. I see potential and opportunity. I see a version of wholeness that is so good at so many things that you take for granted. I love the opportunity to get to look at you and just say, wow, like, wow, this is good stuff. You're good stuff. But I can't make you get excited about you. Only you can do that. And that isn't accomplished by filling holes. It's by deciding it's true that you're of value. And having your focus be on proving your value to yourself. That, every, that the day you're living right now was worth it to you. Maybe not by what you get out of it, but by what you put into it. Because what you get out of your day, out of your life, you can't control that. But you can always control what you put into it. Always. Sometimes does it work out? <laughs> or, the, or the output of your day in your life is something you like? Yeah, I, I wish it turned out <laughs> as good as you deserve every day. I don't think even in my life as Yeshua, I got all that I deserved, right? <laughs> Especially when you look at that ending. <laughs> Tragic. So I didn't get what I deserved. And I, I didn't pout about it for the most part. <laughs> I did sometimes. <laughs> Mary, <laughs> Mary is a, Mary can, <laughs> Mary has stories about that. Those days where I'm like, I came home and I just be like, she'd be like, how many people showed up today? You know, did you get to talk to him? Did you get to talk to him, Yeshua? Yep, I talked to him. How many came? Oh, I don't know, probably a couple hundred. Well, that's great. Do you think they heard you? They heard me. I could, I could see their light rising when I was interacting with them. And then Mary would say, well, you sure don't look like you're 
proud of what you offer today. A couple hundred never felt like enough. Because even though I was so pleased with the with the response in what I felt them feeling of God in what I was offering, I wanted the whole world to feel that. So a couple hundred, it's not that I wasn't happy that a couple hundred heard it, is that I wanted everyone to hear it. And I never got that, right? So I, <laughs> I would be ungrateful. I would feel inadequate. I would feel like if this is really as good as I think it is, what I'm offering, what I'm helping them remember, then why aren't there more people here? Why wouldn't everyone want to hear this? Can you relate, brother, sister? I know you can. <laughs> See? Yeah. So even as my Yeshua, there was a sense of, oh, I could be doing so much more. I, I could be having such a bigger impact. I wanted to control my output. And I couldn't. So at some point, I sort of stopped trying to control the output and I gave my all to the input because it felt good. <laughs> it just felt right. I, I wanted the, the power of the Holy Spirit to be oozing out of me in a way that may have been off-putting to some. I was totally okay with that risk, like completely okay with it. And it did drive some people away. I was totally okay with that because it felt so real and so raw. Oh, it just felt so free. I was allowing that, <laughs> the Christians call it the Holy Spirit. I was allowing it to be completely unleashed in my life. And there was other sort of business to take care of. I needed to keep myself clean, <laughs> right? I, you know, the normal mundane aspects of life. I totally get it. I needed to do carpentry jobs here and then because I, I didn't, <laughs> the speaking wasn't paying the bills, right? And I, we, had, we, <laughs> we had things to pay for too. Travel to, uh, you know, there's just, it, it was that way in my time as well. So when we were talking earlier about how excited we are about the realness of this, what we're doing here with you, this version of being light, that you don't have to make it your profession. You don't have to have a, a center to, to offer it in. Um, with the mortgage and you know all of that nonsense. You, you can be it alongside all the other ways that you are you unofficially officially however you want to do it but please take seriously your life your light the you're living your light 
be bold and more fearless about trying out new things and seeing how it goes and recognizing that even if the the outcome isn't what you deserve because it often most of the time isn't is you deserve far better than any outcome that you get that you get to decide how much you put into something and sometimes it'll feel so good that it doesn't matter what the outcome is and, and then then there's the other details right where you need to balance it with other ways of you being you so that your life is practical so that you're being responsible with other duties and people that count on you this can all fit together this is this is making it real there's no offering plate being passed down an aisle to to pay for your, <laughs> your housing and your food and your clothing and your travel, if it's not for most of you, if some of you have that, then, you know, good on you. <laughs> that's, that's great. It's not the norm, <laughs> right? So the way that you've already been so flexible and so dynamic in, in your life, I mean, keep it up. What do you want to try next? You can be right there for you inside your sense of your energy field. Self-comforting. Be, for those of you that, that uh, need or desire praise, that you say that to yourself, that you say, good job. Like, that was so awesome what we just did there today. That's so cool. That you can say that to yourself if there's not someone around you to say it to you, it doesn't have to, doesn't have to trigger sadness and feelings of loneliness or isolation. Is it, is it awesome when it can come from another human? Yeah. That's why we do this <laughs> because we know it feels good, but there's going to be those moments when you know you nailed it. And I'm really hoping as Yeshua that you give yourself the at a girl at a boy that you deserve because you know you deserve it. And it, it is, it can be somewhat satisfying to give it to yourself. There's always going to be that gap though. And we, we did talk about this uh, this weekend when Gabriel was taking the lead, that there's always going to be this gap of, oh, I could have done so much more. That will always be there for you. It was definitely there for me. And that's, that's where that misinterpretation again can come in in terms of, oh, well, I feel if one feels unwhole or un incomplete because they have that sense of void. That sense of void can be reinterpreted as, yes, you could have done more, but that doesn't mean that you're less than whole and less than amazing. It means that you could have done more and you're amazing and you're whole, right? That's, that's, natural for a master right think of even like star athletes even a gold medal winner at the olympics if if that even really is the best of the best it, it has been that's the idea that those that win the gold are the best of the best right it doesn't isn't anyway <laughs> let's just let that be um most of those gold 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 medal winners are super proud of themselves but they also sense I think I could have done better. I, 
I think I have even more in me. Okay, that's what masters do. That's how they're masters. Because there's always more. There's, there's even more greatness that they could have been. So the, the trick is, in a way, as a master, to have this sense of self that you are whole and complete, and there's always more. It's both. It's both. And what will help you in getting to the more is allowing the sense of wholeness and completeness of what you are right now. That you're already there. Okay. And we're going to switch gears slightly here. Because for any of you that have felt uh, like a very devoted student of spirituality, you have more than likely in some situation or another been, I'm going to use the word manipulated, towards that part of you that feels like there could be more. It has been manipulated into, oh yeah, you're not there yet. Let, and then there's teachers that imply that they can help you get there to another level of yourself that is more whole and complete helps you fill your voids, helps you, you know, relieve a burden, remove an obstacle, clear something, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then at some point you actually get in a perpetual cycle where you're just bouncing from one teacher to another because what those, some of those teachers promised you, they didn't deliver on. So then it, instead of interpretation of, oh, maybe I don't need any of this, the the because the selling is so good the interpretation is oh that must not be it but i am unwhole and i am incomplete and i'm not there yet so they weren't able to get me there but oh this person can probably help me get there and what we are trying to say to you in everything that we do you are there you have been there the whole time there meaning a whole and complete an inherently amazing version of yourself that you can't feel it sometimes. I couldn't feel it sometimes. And I feel blessed as Yeshua that I wasn't in an environment where I could have signed up for a plethora, an endless amount of classes and programs to make me feel whole and complete because I, I could have easily stepped into any of that or all of it. So I had an advantage <laughs> in my time as Yeshua because I didn't, I didn't have that. I, I had me and my sense of connection to God and the resources and the, uh, if you will, partnerships of the others that were around me who kept looking at me saying, you are a master. So they could sometimes see things in me that in that moment, sometimes I couldn't see in myself. Okay, so with anything in your world that puts you in a space of feeling like you're not there yet, that's a great time to slam on the brakes and go, whoa, wait a minute. Let me just park the car <laughs> right over here safely on the side of the road and just say, whoa, because what's going to come next? 
if the entire premise that that system or teaching or teacher is offering is based on this idea that you're not there yet, what do you think is going to come next? Do you really think it's going to be the sense of wholeness and completeness that says, oh my God, I get it. Now I got it. Now I'm there. No, because the whole system is flawed. And when I look at those teachers that operate in that uh, model, that paradigm of, of their students, their audience, they're not there yet, they really think they're not there yet. They're not, they're not, uh, they're not trying. It's not ill-intended. They view their audience and their students as not there yet. So everything they offer is from a system of lack of wholeness and lack of completeness, lack of sovereignty, and lack of ascension. And I just want to give a hug to that whole system and do everything that we can to offer something that we believe is true, which is how I did it as Yeshua too. Everything we offer alongside this partner to you is treating you, knowing you, as very, very there. Inherently glorious. Beautifully whole and complete. Utterly awesome. And always more available. It's both. It's both. We want to give you the gold medal. <laughs> you probably wouldn't take it though. We'd say, you have done such an amazing job with your life. Some of you have been through hell and back. And if, if I mean, you totally deserve a gold medal. You got yourself through that. We're not saying you didn't have help, but uh, you were a big part of it. You got through that. And here you are standing. It's standing, right? Wow. Some of you haven't been through hell. Some of you have had quite a blessed, quite a lucky ride. And we look at you and say, wow, wow, way to go using those blessings and that luck and that good fortune and your sense of um, victory, right? Even if it, it didn't have the level of challenge that some others did, we look at you as an amazing expression of light on earth too. We want you to have the gold medal. And some of you say, oh, I didn't deserve it. It was easy. My life was easy compared to what I see some other people going through. I don't want the gold medal. So you won't take it either. <laughs> Good thing you don't have to, <laughs> right? Maybe just knowing that we want to give it to you really, really badly. Like uh, when you... Somebody won't take five bucks that you owe them. They're like, no, 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 I don't want it. I don't want the $5 you owe me. And then you like slip it in their purse or stick it in their bag without them knowing. We're slipping a gold coin in there. <laughs> we got a gold medal somewhere in your back pocket. <laughs> Even if you're not going to wear it. 
And again, the reason this matters is that until you as your one decide to know yourself as a whole and complete version of source creator God, your sense of what's next is limited. And we all benefit the more limitless you feel, especially as a a version of energy that's inserting new records of light onto the planet, into humanity. We take you very seriously and we love to, to help you feel as whole and complete as you'll possibly allow yourself to. Because you'll be even busier, even focused on the new records you want to insert. What do you want to try next? Ooh, that sounds good. How does you might feel with that? And maybe, just maybe, sometimes the outcomes are pretty spectacular too. That happens. That does happen. That's great. <laughs> it's really great. Not counting on it, but being really, really appreciative when you have the signs of it, that your input offered an outcome for others. Where you get to see the signs, the tangible evidence of how much your life matters, that you played a role in that outcome, that you played a role in them feeling seen by God, loved by God, acknowledged as their whole and complete. Okay. Hmm. Nice. Very nice. How are you guys doing? For those of you that are on the call, if you want to type in the chat, you can feel free. And I'll read some of them or if you have questions. Um, they had invited me into talking a little bit about, about manifestation and I'm happy to do that. Um, I guess I'll just offer that I'm, I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm, you know, there's, I hear people right in our sort of culture and you and my sort of communities say things like, oh, well, I'm not a great manifester or, oh, so-and-so, they're a really good manifester. And um, I think when I reflect on my life and what, you know, the blessings in my life, I think someone would say, oh, she's a great manifester. I don't say that. Um, I don't look at my life as something that I manifested. And Maybe it's just semantics. I don't, I don't know, but I don't think so. 
I think energetically, there is something very tricky and maybe unnecessarily complex about this idea of manifesting versus not manifesting. I'm not really attached to what we have, like material possessions and things like that. It's not that I don't appreciate them. I I deeply appreciate them. But I also, a part of me really knows that, I mean, my husband and I, et cetera, I was so happy, like in our, in our very first house as well. And it was much more modest than we have now. And, you know, sometimes, and I, I, I really mean this, I say to my husband, if you ever wanted to quit, babe, I mean, like we could sell everything and get like a really cool mobile home (laughs) or something. It's just, you know, we could have the coolest shack ever. (laughs) Right. And I think we'd be happy right now based on the way our lives have gone. I don't think we're ever going to do that or need to do that, but I think it's really healthy to know that there's that option and that that option could also be made to be okay. Right. Um, Yeah. And when I look at like health and things like that, my, my health is good, but it's not, it's not the best. Um, and you know, there are things that, you know, I've been super, super healthy, like three years ago where I just, I mean, physically I looked really good. It's about two and a half years ago where I just was so pleased with how my physical body looked. And it's interesting that now when I try and replicate some of those steps, whether it was like what I was eating and things like that, it doesn't, it's not having the same outcome as, as my input to it would, uh, I would expect. So it's, it's humbling, right? But it's also sort of, uh, I think uh, it is frustrating. It's, it's humbling. It's frustrating. It's weird. It's mysterious. It's sort of like a code that I haven't solved yet. And what I keep realizing is that health as just one example is such a, it is a mysterious thing. And the more certain I think, think people are about what makes them healthy if they're a healthy person I think they're maybe wrong about that or that it's an incomplete story about why they're healthy and I think a lot of it is more luck uh, than maybe they realize Um, yeah it's interesting and the more rigid somebody is about, oh, this will work for everybody. And I think I'm realizing that. I've actually thought about, I was thinking this weekend about taking down uh, the Minding the Matter series because if it's not having the same impact for me now that it did, the only reason I ever offered it was because it, it worked so, that system that I now offer worked so well for me three years ago. But now I'm realizing this is not going to work for everybody. And it's not working for Jill at 49 years old. And there's so many variables when it comes to physical health, right? Um, You look at the mystery of like the human thyroid gland is just amazing. Um, And the role that it plays and the, the mysterious way that it can be managed and adjusted and all these things. And it's just, yeah, (laughs) it's really, really interesting. Um, 
Yeah. So there's just so, there are so many options for how we uh, experiment with moving forward into a version of better, uh, wherever, whatever kind of level of self that you're at. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Okay. Let's, let me go to the, whoo, lots of comments here. I've been, I've been ignoring you guys. Okay. Hi, Larry. He's saying an amazing reflection of where I am at in this moment, realizing I am a gold medal winner. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Larry. Okay, Sheila is saying another liberating message. So much freedom in your words. No more guilt, no more shame, no more need to be, to be a success because I am one deep relief. Thank you so much. I am a hard worker and I used to think I was doing something wrong because I didn't have the partner or the career or the connections, etc. I am enough and this is enough and what fun to explore more. Thank you so much, Jill. Oh, you are so welcome, Sheila. That's great. Barbara is saying it's easy to have regret or guilt over some things that have shown up knowing I am not really responsible is helpful. Oh, good, Barbara. Good, good, good. And Larry is saying an honoring uh, to be on this call and to hear Yeshua come through. We tend to discount our input. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. I'm so glad you heard that part too, Larry, and liked it. Um, Carolyn is saying, I did that this past year. And I think she's referring to the sort of downsizing. I did that this past year. It was, it is very liberating in a lot of ways and sometimes not, I do not regret it at all, but my dog might LOL. <laughs> and then I saw Carolyn added, uh, earlier. She said, oh, oops, I should have added. I downsized into an RV. Okay. Ooh, Carolyn, that sounds very exciting and liberating in a lot of ways. But yes, I can see where your dog is like, wait, where's the yard? <laughs> but there's probably endless amounts of quote unquote yard <laughs> if they really look at it. Um, and Sheila is saying, yes, that's, that's just it. Less rigidity and more softness. It allows me to have more compassion for myself and others. Amen, sister. Um, Barbara is saying at 71, my same age friends are so varied in how their bodies are holding up. Uh, not related to their spiritual place. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Suzanne is saying, loved every part of this message, message Jill. Oh, Suzanne, I love you. I'm so glad to hear that. And Barbara is adding, preparing to move, clearing years of old lifetimes. Oh, woo, that's a big one. <laughs> that's a big one, Barbara. Um, my mother-in-law is similar in, in chronological age to you. And they have, she has a lot of stuff. And um, uh, my father-in-law, her husband of 50 plus years. Yeah, I think they were married 51 or 52 years. And Carl passed away um, just a year. Yeah, about 15 months ago now. And he had a lot of stuff. They aren't like hoarders, but they've got a lot of things. And um I can tell it weighs on her, um, all the stuff that they have. And I, yeah, it's overwhelming um, at times for certain people that um, as any, any of us, anyone that, that accumulates things as, as they're getting older, um, it, at, at some point in life, it's like, oh my God, right? And I think in some cases, there's a fear of letting things go. <clears throat> And a sense of weight of, that we need to hang on to that. Um, So-and-so may want that. Um, you know, future generations may appreciate that. And I just, that's such a burden to carry around. And I, 
I mean, I think of even like my grandmother and she lived in a, in a fairly small apartment. She uh, was not a hoarder. Uh, my grandma Dorothy and, or my grandma Gracie actually. Anyway, they didn't, they didn't have a lot of stuff that, that I remember anyway, that we needed to go through. My mom may disagree <laughs> on what she had to go through uh, in helping arrange my, her parents' affairs and things like that. But anyway, what, I, what I'm trying to get to there is that I didn't, there's only a, there was only a few things that I ended up with um, from my grandparents when they passed. Um, and there's one, it's just, it's the ceramic Christmas tree that you light up. Um, and I think my grandma Dorothy made it like in a ceramics class. They were really popular at that, at that time, I think in the sixties and it's probably about 18 inches high, maybe, maybe 24 inches tall. And you has a, the part of the Christmas tree lifts off. It's kind of heavy and every little branch has a little hole in it. And this little plastic, um, colored, uh, where the the light bulb that you put in the base and you put the top back on it and all these little uh crystal or um plastic colored branch thingies light up and i love that christmas tree when i was uh when i was a child it just had it's so beautiful to me and my uh parents when they came back from minnesota with the things from my grandma dorothy if i remember right we had everything that we all were sort of vying for on the floor and we took turns. We had numbers, my sisters and I, um, and we would take turns as our number came up and pick something from the pile. That seemed in a very fair sort of way. And I got the Christmas tree <laughs> and I love that thing. And the other sweetness about it, it was, um, I'm going to start to cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was around the holidays when my grandmother passed. So it was in her hospice room. So the hospice workers <laughs> gathered it up in a blanket that was in her room. So I have the box that they put it in. I have the blanket that they wrapped it in. And I, <laughs> every year when I unwrap it, I just, I just feel the sweetness for her and I love that Christmas tree <laughs> and it's it's uh, yeah I'm not normally sentimental about things but obviously some things <laughs> I am anyway so there's probably a lot of things that I since I'm not I don't have a strong sentimentality about stuff there probably are a lot of things that I willingly just let go of that maybe my daughters would appreciate. And I was just commenting on them on this a few weeks ago. I wish I had kept their books, their baby books or not baby books, but uh, the books that I used to read to them when they were little. Um, and I was saying to my older daughter, I said, do you remember that book Corduroy? And she goes, Oh yes, Corduroy. And she said he was, you know, lost in the department store and he, you know, he was on the bed and I just, I think it would be so sweet for them. And I remember there was this, uh, dog, Harry, <laughs> this book that I had when I was a kid and it sort of popped up again as like, a, a you know, let's bring this publisher brought this book back online from when I was a kid. And I was so excited to read Harry, the dirty dog to my kids. Um, and I remembered the pictures, the illustrations were the same and I had the stories and it just, 
So I wish I would have kept the books that, but at the time, my husband's very like no clutter kind of guy. I'm very cluttery compared to Jeff. So I think as, and that sort of rubbed off on me in a way, and I do think I try to, you know, be more Jeff-like out of respect for him in a way. So I think as they were getting older, I was like, yes, let's get rid of all this stuff. Um, As they were, you know, you know, we were growing out of things and they don't, you know, we don't read those books anymore, but now I wish we would have kept some of that stuff, but I'm sure it is what it is. And they can, they can go find corduroy (laughs) if they want it, if they decide to have kids and want to read it to them or whatever. But yeah, sentimentality and acquiring stuff. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Okay, we're going to wrap up here in a little bit. And I know I'm not going to get to all these beautiful comments you guys have. There's many, many messages here. Um, but let me just grab a few. Stephen is saying, it feels so good to be wrapped in the loving message you bring us. I feel good about myself for being on the call. It feels good that I can simply focus on my input, like being on this call as an input. Oh, that's good. Oh, I love you guys. Okay, let me just browse through these here. <sighs> Thank you, Carolyn. She's saying, I'm so glad you got the Christmas tree. You're making me cry. <laughs> I, this Christmas, I'll try and remember uh, to take a picture of it. It's just, it is precious. Yeah, thanks, guys. I love you guys so much. Oh, hi, Rose. She's saying such precious memories of your grandmother. Very touching. Oh, sorry to make you guys cry, too. <laughs> oh, goodness. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love you guys so much. Okay. So let's wrap up here. I love you. Thank you so much. And also, um, I did want to make you aware the most recent video that we did, um, uh, JRF podcast number 212, I think it was. Yep. Number 212. I really love what came through in that 212. And there's, I feel that way about a lot of our messages, but that one in particular, I was like, I just, was led to pay for somebody. I think it, it was just like 65 US dollars or something to have somebody uh, professionally go through and add subtitles to it. So on that YouTube video, you can click on the closed captioning option, which some of you may use regularly and some of you may not even know, have known it's there. Um, auto, YouTube can automatically you sort of add the add the subtitles. <laughs> I remember trying that a few years ago, and <laughs> one of you reached out to me and like, Joe, you got to turn those off. They're so they're so inaccurate. So apparently, the YouTube automatic free version is horrible, and it was actually comical to see what it was trying to think I was saying. <laughs> like, I I can't think of an example, but it was sort of like, and then we went to the lemonade stand and got a burger. <laughs> it was just like, what is it even like? what? It was so off. It's just comical. Anyway, so on that uh, podcast number 212, I paid for somebody to do, you know, figure out in words what I was saying in English and adding the subtitles. So that feels really good. Um, If any of you are enjoying that, (laughs) if you could shout out a little word, um, then I may do that more often. The I, I love to apply some of the monthly members uh, revenues that I'm earning and so grateful for. Um, and add different features to the work and things like that, even if it's to the free stuff. So anyway, that's there. And then also um, a little shout out about the Greece trip. It's coming up quickly. It's June. And the dates for the Greece trip, just for any of you that are 
maybe even not aware of it. Anyway, we leave, we start September 27th and we end October 9th. I just wanted to, I, I feel like my team was like, you haven't really explained why we're even going to Greece. <laughs> so let me do it right here. Okay. But first I need to blow my nose for my crying. Hang on. Okay, so Greece. Um, I've been to Greece before. It was um, on a cruise with my husband. It was probably 1999, and we loved it. Um, really, really liked it. And with my work, I have felt this connection with Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, um, Pythagoras. And I have this appreciation that in many ways they were channeling. They were channeling messages of morality and goodness and human wisdom, um, divine wisdom, and, and the oracle, Adelphi, right? Uh, and that's just the one that they, that they call the oracle, right? There was a, a whole system of energy that, that Greece offered and some humans uh, connected with. And those portals and gateways are still very relevant to the planet. And I know us, you and I, as portals of energy, that's part of the, I mean, we're an entry point. By being our humanness, we are an entry point of energy into this reality for the all that is. And we're a walking version of it, which is a really nice, really nice feature, right? That plants don't have and that a geographical portal doesn't have, right? So there's a lot of advantages that we're mobile. <laughs> um, it is exciting and fun to me as Jill, as knowing myself as a connected individual and knowing you as a connected, because you are, you are the connection. The light isn't something you connect to. The light is something you are, okay? So knowing you as an amazing light, it is exciting and fun and expansive. Oh, it's just, it's activating. It's like, you know, like natural fertilizer on, on a plant, letting it grow healthier and stronger in its light. When we go to these places, especially together, um, where there are these natural um, and well, <laughs> Metatron just said natural too. Uh, is it natural? <laughs> anyway, there are portals of energy and gateways and systems of design that are there that are very conducive to the expansion of light on the planet. Okay, we do that in our own mobile way. And there are places and structures, uh, geographical structures, that have that uh, divine design and intention, okay? So I always intended that we would do a trip to Greece. There is some serious uh, scrambling <laughs> of energies in some of these uh, certain divinely designed vortices, though. And Greece definitely has a scrambled nature to it. It doesn't dissuade us, but it makes getting there and traveling there 
a bit trickier. This trip, (laughs) I'm so glad it's happening. (laughs) And I've definitely recognized that there have been some obstacles to getting there and this trip happening for, I mean, it's just, it's comical to me how many times I've tried to put this trip together. (laughs) So the fact that it's happening and that we have such an amazing group already signed up and spots available for you if you're interested. Um, And just you guys email me if you're curious. Okay. The other realization I had, and this was yesterday is that I definitely overthink this whole part about who my trips are designed for. And I, I do it for, I mean, I have great rationale for why I do it, but at the end of the day, I love to travel with people that are already into my work, obviously able to travel financially and otherwise. And I love that. But what I also don't, (laughs) I am making it harder for people to say yes though. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. I benefit and we benefit from a larger group because there are not larger, like I won't do more than 20, but some, yeah, I think we have, how many do we have signed up for Grace? Oh, da, da, da. let me look. Not the Egypt one. Okay, let's see. Yeah, counting me right now, we have eight. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> I will definitely go with eight people. Um, but we have room in the in our little minibus and, and in our transpo for many more. <laughs> so okay, I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic. What I was realizing is that there are many of you that want to travel, but you want to travel with your adult daughter, or, you know, a good friend or whatever. And I love it when you, when you guys already know me and that kind of thing, but I also get it that you guys know cool people and they may not even know who I am. So I am, I realize I am also very open to delightful other people that you guys love to hang out with coming on a trip. Okay. And I mean, (laughs) what I'm trying to avoid is somebody that's just not fun to play with, (laughs) not fun to be on a trip with, but I don't think you guys would invite somebody like that with you, would you? You wouldn't do that, (laughs) right? Um, But there are definitely, there are just some people that, you know, they just are habitual complainers and they don't know how to have fun and they don't know how to have a good time. And they think it'll be they'll have fun on vacation, but they don't, they're not fun at home. So they're not having fun on vacation either. I definitely don't want to give one of the precious 20 or less spots to somebody like that. Right. Anyway, so I, but I do overthink this and I, I, you know, I admit (laughs) to my flaw there. So anyway, if you are curious about one of the trips and are thinking about going, please just email me and let me know that you're interested. And if you want to talk further about it, okay. The main barrier I know for most people is finances. And I completely get that. There's things that I want that I, I don't feel like I can afford to do either. So I, I get it. And I don't want to push your envelope there because I really, really value financial responsibility and financial discretion. Um, I think, yeah, I really, really value that and wouldn't want you to put yourself in a precarious financial position to go on a vacation with me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now if finances change and you're like, yeah, I got somebody to drop <laughs> then then I, I, I will offer you a fabulous trip and we will have a wonderful time. Okay. All right. I love you guys so much. Okay. So bye-bye for now and email me if you have questions about the trip. 
um, any of the trips. And I think that's it. I love you guys. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for hanging out with me. I love you. Bye-bye.